power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Technica podcast feed. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Ooh, the man of tomorrow is here for you, baby. And we have got... Honestly, this might be my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I've been doing a lot over the past 10 years as far as getting behind a microphone. Um, but we've got some TIE Fighter Renegades to get into. And boy, do we have some shit to talk about. This has been one of the more exciting times in star wars that i've seen honestly in a long time um but i am of course since it is tie fighter renegades i am being joined by none other than robin freebeard my brother oh yeah yeah and we are coming live from <laughs> rob's museum of oddities and antiquities here <laughs> and it just keeps getting odder i don't know i look around so that black knight castle hot damn that's yeah. that's some good looking shit man that's a classic yeah we'll play with that later uh so <laughs> you can be the robin hood guys uh no <laughs> so um let's well let's talk about this now while i grant you probably the best thing to come out of star wars in the past two three years or shall we say since 2019 when it seemed like star wars was completely falling apart was would be andor um we've got another show that uh, they say it begins with an A. I think it begins with an S. I like to call it Star Wars Snips, but really, we're talking about Ahsoka here. <laughs> so, uh, I, it's still, I, really, it should be called Snips. But um, regardless, uh, while Andor, I think, is probably the best thing next to Rogue One that's been done in Star Wars by Disney over recent years, Absolutely. Um, the excitement, I think, really all over the place, not just in the Star Wars fandom, but kind of globally is or universally seems to be you know at a fever pitch with ahsoka again um would you say that's true rob yeah i mean definitely the the, the diehards are excited about it and uh with good reason i mm -hmm. mean especially I, I, if you are a fan of the clone wars and rebels this is something that you you have been waiting for for a while because dave filoni has been talking about the you know the potential eventually of a live action continuance of those you know stories and characters and now it's finally coming to fruition yeah yeah really and i mean and, and think i think rob actually you shared this with me the claim is right now that ahsoka is like the most watched uh, or has the most streams of any content ever on disney plus does that sound uh, right yeah, it was the, the highest watched um, premiere of any show. Now, okay. Those, you know, and it's 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 not really ratings, but we'll we'll, we'll call them ratings right. because that's the term everybody's familiar with. Right. But in terms of whether or not those ratings hold, it remains to be seen. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is it is which was surprising to me because you know there's there's an awful lot of uh, shall we say Marvel zombies out there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great name for them. It really is, and a great comic book, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure that uh, initially it did, it did seem like Disney was banking more on Marvel than they were on Star Wars. Yes. Or Disney Plus. And yeah. that has not necessarily held out to be true. Well, especially in light of Secret Invasion, which right. appears to be one of the biggest flops of Disney+, Plus, let alone the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, 
So, yeah, and I mean, to be, you know, granted, the plebes, as it were, though I think Disney are the plebes, we're, we're the real people, <laughs> uh, but the plebes, as it were, as they like to think of us, I think, you know, we don't really get access to these numbers, uh, these streaming statistics. You know, like those all get held close to chest, usually. Right. Usually, You can get some metrics, but you never get the real deal. So Disney putting this out there that it's the most streamed premiere ever, admittedly, is some marketing spin. And there is some question to the reality of that. Right. But I could kind of believe it. Right. Just because we are talking about bringing a character that has been really getting developed for almost 20 years now. You know, and finally, very much coming to life. Even though she's been, of course, she was in, you know, The Mandalorian, um, you know, and and so on, um, as a live action character. Uh, but now she has her own show, and it's eight episodes, which were three deep as of this recording, and that's what we're going to be reviewing. Um, I want to say this kind of at the onset. I'm amazed, though maybe not surprised, but amazed at the lack of drama around not within the show but around the production of the show which most star wars productions honestly we've gotten very used to a lot of drama right. a lot of uh behind the scenes shenanigans that have been going on there does not appear to be any with this show um and even a lot of the actors minus unfortunately the untimely death of one ray stevenson um you know has all been on the up and up and no one's coming out, you know, we're not getting situations like John Boyega coming out and saying Disney's a bunch of, well, you can look up his terms on the matter, you know, and, and, and others. Um, you're not really getting any of that. Everybody's just having a good time with this one. Granted, you can't really have much of a marketing machine around it, which is also impressive because, uh, you know, of, of the, 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 you know, the writers and the actor strike, you know, and the SAG strike going on right, right now. You right. can't do marketing. Well, I, I think, you know, Ahsoka sits in a very unique place where... It already has its own marketing in yes. terms of the, like I mentioned before, the shows that came before it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've already, you know, Clone Wars and all of that. I mean, Ahsoka Tano is just, she's easily one of, the, she's probably one of the top 10 Star Wars characters as far as knowability, like people knowing who the hell she is uh, of all time. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's unfair to say. Well, she's definitely in my top 10 of favorite characters. Yeah. And I, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you know. From a favorite standpoint, I mean, she's she's top ten for many and number one for many. Yeah. Uh, partly because a lot of kids, honestly, grew up with her, grew up, right. uh, you know, inspired even by, by her journey. Um, and that's really what we're getting in this show, I feel like, is more of her journey, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but I just want to make sure, like, you know, Rob, I, I know you keep your finger on the pulse uh, often better than I do as far as Star Wars fandom goes. Uh, I mean, ha ha did you hear anything negative? Anything? Any drama backstage going on at all? Uh, not on, not in production wise. Right. I have not heard anything. Um, there's some people on Twitter that are trying to make a stink about the usual kind of stuff, and mm. um, you know, it's 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 the new Twitter tards and not the old Twitter tards. <laughs> <laughs> are, wait, don't we call them X tards anymore yeah, that's or, or right, now? That's right. I, yeah. X tards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The new blue check marks. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, the what, is, what do they call them? The the eight buck schmucks, right? Yeah. There you go. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into some of those some of those complaints because I definitely want to explore some of those. Um, but I think we'll we'll just again we're, we're three episodes in, and I think we'll just open it up, saying how we feel about it. I mean, Rob, do you want you want to tell me first? You know, uh, like what are your thoughts? How are you feeling about the show so far? 
We're not halfway through, but we're pretty close. You know, we're three episodes deep. How do you feel about the show? Loving it? Hating I, it? I, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Okay. But, um, you know, thankfully, I haven't heard any complaints about this, but I actually enjoy the slow pace of yes. the show. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't hit the ground running, and I'm actually okay with that. Right. Um, you know, the, the, in, in a way, I think you and I discussed this, is it kind of reminded us of the pacing of um, episode one. Totally. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give my comment, then I'll speak to that as well. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I am loving this. I'm, I mean, I'm really enjoying this. I'm shocked at how much I'm enjoying it. And the pacing, which seems to be the main critique, which let's be clear here. If that's the only critique you've got of this show, or not, not you, Rob, but I mean, like most people, yeah, like yeah. a lot of the commentators, a lot of them are complaining about the pacing. But I'm like, if that's your only complaint, we've got a great show here. Yeah, see, I haven't even heard that. So, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the circles I travel in, that hasn't been an issue. Right. Yeah, so, well, it, but you're right, and this is what we talked about. I was like, because when you and I and, and Ellen, when we were watching the first two episodes together, I had come away and said I felt like I was watching episode one in a good way. Right. You know, uh, where, yeah, the, the, the pacing of it, the dialogue of it, like everything about it, the direction of it, yep. this felt like even the politics. Right. This felt like peak George Lucas. This felt like George Lucas. Right. You know, and, and yeah, and even the politics. I mean, and that's not even getting into. There's there's straight up, and of course George Lucas would call it poetry, right? Because it rhymes, so it comes right. back around. <laughs> but there's straight up like scenes or uh, that are basically lifted out of Episode One. There's especially in episode three lots of stuff taken right out of episode two or well we're now we're getting confusing right out of out of from episode three out of attack of the clones i should say that because <laughs> we're going to be like and and i know they don't even call it like for ahsoka they call it part one part two part three not episode one episode two right. episode three which that's another conversation that we could kind of touch on is like okay how does this feel as a tv show but um like there, there's the moment where um shin right that's her name shin uh, where that character, she's like standing, uh, she's standing, and there's like a probe droid next to her. I mean, it looks just like Darth Maul, right out of Phantom Menace. I mean, and and, and there's there's plenty of these moments within this where like you can really see what I feel. So to expand upon your point that this feels like Phantom Menace as far as pacing, direction, dialogue, and all that. Um, Whereas the visuals are coached very much in the original trilogy. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to get. That's exactly it. This really feels like an amalgamation of Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi. Right. Which is fucking exactly, honestly, what the sequel trilogy should have been. Unintended best of both worlds. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, even the music. And boy, we could spend an hour just talking about the music that Kevin Kiner has been doing for this. But the music sounds like it sounds like John Williams but it's different enough but it still it sounds like music you would have heard even when we're flying around home one which is straight out of Return of the Jedi the big Mon Cal Cruiser the big MC-80 you know uh, the music it it sounds just like something that would have been in Return of the Jedi but it yeah, wasn't yeah, but it's especially, close especially during the, the most recent episode during mm -hmm. the the, uh, the Starfire battle scene right which was fantastic. Yes. I mean, he, he was really hitting it yes. with that score. Yes. Yeah, totally, totally. And all of that action pulled right out of the Clone Wars. 
I mean, right down to like I was like, oh, where's Plo Koon? You know, if we're, yeah. we're going to do some some extravehicular right. uh, yes. st starfighter lightsaber yes. shit, where's yeah. my boy? Where's Plo right. Koon? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was another thing that people were complaining about. Like, like, tell me that you haven't watched the Clone Wars. Tell <laughs> you you haven't watched the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's like, guys, look. Plocoon is literally Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. Like you got to deal with this, you know. Well, he, was, he was the one that you know found Ahsoka and right. trained her the, when she was little, little. Right, right, and rightfully so. Like by the way, like any any nods towards like Plocoon's style, like I'm 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 all here for it, you know. Uh, like in in, Jet, in Star Wars Jedi Power Battles, the game for the, for particularly Dreamcast version, I use Plocoon all the time. Anyway, yes, that was awesome. So we've got a lot to talk about that, but but overall, like if I were to describe this show. I would say this is the perfect amalgamation of of the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Yep. It's the perfect amalgamation, particularly of Phantom Menace and and Return of the Jedi. But all of it's there. And there's elements from Empire Strikes Back that are there. There, there's, I mean, there's just so much. Like you watch this and you know you are watching something made by somebody who cares so fucking much about the entire breadth of Star Wars. You know, like, there's so many nods, there's so many little hints, and we're going to get into a few of them. There's as many as we can, anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so we're both loving it. That's that's kind of the bottom line, but let's explore more onto that. Um, I usually like to break this down into some sections. Uh, I guess let's talk about opening up. We already mentioned the music, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Of course, Kevin Kiner has been working in Star Wars since the Clone Wars. Um, he's done, I mean, he's been around for a while. He's not like a young dude. Like he's been making soundtracks since at least the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, in the late 90s, he made one of my personal favorites, that being the soundtrack for Wing Commander, the movie, right? Uh, which is top, I mean, just phenomenal. If, if anyone listening to this has never heard that, just put on the first track, it'll blow your fucking mind. Uh, pure epicness. Anyway. Um, you might recognize a young Kane and Jarrus too. Oh yeah, if you watch the movie, yeah, you're you're gonna see. <laughs> it's it's all degrees of separation, folks. <laughs> yeah. So he's a pilgrim, anyway. All right. So <laughs> I love that movie to death. Um, okay. So Kevin Kiner, though, he has been involved since um, since the Clone Wars. Like I said, in fact, even the very he he was doing the soundtrack for the very first for the movie that was in theaters of the Clone Wars. Um, and that was the first time, and this has, this has relevance, that was the first time that I had ever heard, really, an electric guitar in, in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and it's when they're scaling that castle, going after uh, the, that little shit, uh, the, the little Jabba's little, little baby there. Yeah, whatever right. his name. Stinky. Stinky. Yeah, that's it, Stinky. Uh, and so, and, but but there's, there's a rock soundtrack going on when that, when that happens. I love the fact that we get a moment where Sabine is, you know, riding on her speeder. Looks again, looks like something pulled right out of Return of the Jedi. And we've got like this Tokyo style metal soundtrack going on that she's listening yeah, to. Yeah. And it fit. That's not easy, in my opinion, to bring metal coherently or cogently into science fiction. They don't always mix, even though most science fiction fans that I've ever met are metalheads. Right. <laughs> but but for some reason Present the company included. Yeah, right. Say same. Yeah. Uh, you know, so but they never seem to come together, you know, uh, uh, on celluloid, as it were. But this worked. It, it did really, really well. So Kevin Kiner, you know, his ability to bring in new musical styles, while at the same time, like we were talking about earlier, in my opinion, perfectly mimicking John Williams. Um, you know, almost to the point that it's almost like, oh, like, are you... 
it's like you're sounding like like it's almost too much sounding like John Williams, but not John Williams. Mm-hmm. But like it's almost like he's trying too hard. But it just it works, and I have no complaints because it feels so right. Yeah. What do you got? Well, I mean, I, I was going to say one of my uh, uh, favorite scorings of his was actually more recently here with you know the, when they they brought back the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know during basically from the point of Order sixty six onwards. We got what was very much a, you know, uh, Vangelis Blade Runner esque yes. soundtrack. Yes. And I thought it was just so beautifully done and so poignant and perfect for the moment. Yep. That it, it like it, it really struck me emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. The other one that that he really that stunned me that I thought of most recently, um, and let's be clear here, like this show Ahsoka, is like. Rebels season five, right? You know, <laughs> like like let's just—it could have been called that, and everybody would be like, "Well, yeah, of course it is." Um, and his work in Rebels, which I think he did all of the music yes, for Rebels. Yeah, I um, When he did the theme, when remember when they were looking for the like the, the missing Lestat, uh, Lestat mm-hmm. uh, like Homeworld there or whatever. Yeah. There was a weird ass music that he did there that was yeah. never done in Star Wars before, and he, it was beautiful, and he made it work so well. Um, so that came to mind too, and that's what I mean. He he really has this ability of bringing in stuff we would have never heard John Williams do, we would have never heard in Star Wars, but bringing in and it fits and it works. Um, and I, I have no complaints. Like this is the best Star Wars score, honestly, I've heard since Rogue One because yeah. I actually like Giacchino's uh, uh, score in that. But any other thoughts but on music? It, Go ahead. Oh, I mean, it's just great in general that he was basically able to expand the repertoire of what Star Wars music can yes. be yeah. through doing animated shows yeah. as sort of like, you know, an experimental platform and now being able to bring it to live action. Yeah, yeah. I do want to, okay, I and, I and I just thought of it, I have to make a small correction, but in Jedi Fallen Order, the Hue did do the music in that, and they're a metal band out of Mongolia. They just did that one track. Yeah, they did that one song. Yeah. yeah. But so metal has had other moments, but bottom line, it's a part of Star Wars now. Right. Um, and all I can really think of, because one of the things that kind of disappointed me. That was kind of like metal industrial, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very industrial. Uh, even though I, I like the hue, they're, they're, they're good. Um, very unique sound. Uh, they released, I want to say earlier this year, or maybe it was the year previous, that they released the Galaxy um, Star Cruiser. Is that, is that what it's called? The ride at, at Disney, the the hotel. Oh yeah, they closed that. Yeah, yeah, they closed that. But they released the music, the soundtrack. Oh, for okay. Because when you would go to that, you would go into a bar, right, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. there'd be a singer, a Twi'lek singer, and all right, this. Right, right. Um, and and the music for that, like, it was okay, but like, it wasn't great. And and after hearing, you know, some some quote unquote popular music. Not that metal's ever really been pop- necessarily popular, but after hearing some popular music that's not just like a classical score in Ahsoka again, I'm like, man, they should have let Kevin Kiner write all that music for for Star or Galactic Star Cruiser. That's yeah. what it was called. Yeah. Um, they really should have let him do it. So well, they, they, he's the they man. They already experimented with that once before. I don't know if you remember this, but they put out kind of like a Star Wars pop album back during the sequel trilogy era. Oh, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was like they did like an like an EDM yes uh, album where they were kind of playing with themes. That was horrible. Right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they already experimented with that and it failed horribly. Yes, and they they brought in big names to, to, to do that, yeah. but it was like what is this like this is literally just a cheap cash in. This is stupid. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, yeah, good point. So Kiner is the man, and let's just be, you know, I'll, I'll make the statement plain. Th- this is this is the guy who needs to take over for John Williams in Star Wars overall. Right. Like, just give him everything. Uh, and he's got work for life. You right. know, I'm sure he's not right. complaining. Which makes sense because he's the soundtrack guy for Filoni, who was the heir to the right. Empire. Right, and, you know, and that's, that's worth bringing up here as well. Uh, as we understand it, Filoni is given, essentially, a his version of the MCU here where he gets to make a bunch of little shows that will culminate in a few years, who knows when the very justified strike ends for SAG and the writers, Um, you know, that he's going to have a big movie, like an Avengers-style movie. Right. uh, In the end. It sounds like he's he's they're they're very they're very much grooming him towards and I'm not using that word in a negative sense yeah. like it's been become in recent years but they're grooming him towards becoming kind of the Kevin Feige yeah. of the Star Wars universe whereas Kathleen Kennedy will handle the business side of things right and Dave Filoni will you know handle the creative side yeah which is fine because let me tell you and I can say this from personal experience, the one thing that will kill your creativity is worrying about money. Okay? (laughs) So, if Filoni doesn't have to worry about money and he just handles creativity, great. Right. And people obviously aren't happy with, you know, with Kathleen Kennedy, you know, on the creative side of things, which I don't even think, you know, I I I still think people are upset at the wrong person Mm -hmm. in regards to that, but, you know, uh, optics are everything. Yes. So, you know, if she steps aside in terms of, you know, creative direction, I'm sure that will, like, appease a lot of people who have an issue with her. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Um, yeah, so, okay. I want to put a pin on that because I want to talk more about that. You know, Disney, business, money, all that. I mm-hmm. think that, that there's a conversation to be had there. And it has to do with the company out of Cupertino, but we'll we'll save that for right now. Uh, so, um, but, uh, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So, the, yeah, but, but anyway, so the music, top notch. And basically, we, found, we have found our new John Williams. Like, this music, even yeah. in just these three episodes, is so fucking good. We already knew how good he was. But he's just proven the point that, no, I can pick up the ball and I can run all the way to the end zone with it. Um, so, all right. Uh, Going off of that, acting. I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about the characters so much because we do have a lot of new characters involved. But on an abstract point, I guess let's break down the acting maybe before we get into the characters. Um, Of course, Rosario Dawson is headlining this whole thing as Ahsoka. Um, How do you feel about her performance overall? We've already gotten some of her, of course, in The Mandalorian and so on. Right, right. But how do you feel about her performance overall in the show? I mean, I, I think her performance for the direction she's being given is is fine, if not, you know, good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd say great, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, very good. Um, and I can't help, you know, bring in some, some commentary on the character itself, Please. too. Please. Uh, because this is, to be honest with you, this is not my favorite version of Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, she's far too stoic, for my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this show, mm-hmm. my ideal version of Soka would be during Rebels, right. um, in which she was very much uh, more, more of a passionate but also centered person. She know? was the hopeful badass. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And 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 that that is my my favorite version of Ahsoka. Um, I you know I definitely see like how she probably comes away from you know. Um, and the you know Twilight of the Apprentice in season two uh, mm-hmm. of Rebels, you know probably being a little more world weary mm-hmm. um, from that experience. Mm-hmm. 
but at the same time, you know, like I, I just, I, I really appreciated her, her sort of, I wouldn't say so much youthful exuberance that we got in the Clone Wars, but definitely, like I said, her, her passion and her, her regard for, you know, her, you know, teammates and, mm -hmm. and you know, her, basically her extended family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's spend some time, I guess, talking about, about that. I mean, again, we are only three episodes deep, and admittedly, not a whole lot has happened in this show so far. I mean, like, things have happened. We're getting a lot of setup. I feel like there's a lot of ground being covered to catch it, to get everybody else, maybe who's never seen Rebels, to get them up to speed. And I think it succeeded at that, by the way. Um, but yeah, I agree. And, and this leads to a question of, and we don't have a great answer, when the hell does this show take place? <laughs> like, like, we know it's post-Return of the Jedi. We know it's somewhere after Mandalorian Season 2, right? Because right. Morgan is, is captured. Right. Um, but we don't know where it is in relation to Mandalorian Season 3 yet, exactly. Like, how many months, or even maybe years, or who knows? Like, we really don't have a clue. And we don't even know, and, and we'll get into this a little later, about where... Is this in relation to the finale of Star Wars Rebels in Season 4? But we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, so my point in bringing all this up, unless you have a comment on where this takes place. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it as this is definitely having to be post-Season 2 Mandalorian. Yeah. we last see her. Yeah. Well, we did see her in Season 3. With, yes. With, 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 so, I mean, I would say it's, it's, it's probably contemporaneous with the most recent season of The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. would be my guess. Okay. If not, you know, you know, give or take a year. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's one scene where there's some debate and which raises a lot of questions as to when some of this is taking place. We'll get to that later, though. Okay. And that has to do with the mural. So uh, when we could see Clancy, you know, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So what I think we're really getting here is a low key trilogy about Ahsoka herself. And you're essentially getting a pre-tragic, tragic. And then I think we're getting, at least at the start of Mandalorian season three, when she's hanging out with Luke, we're getting a post-tragic Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. um, and right now I think we're in the tragic Ahsoka. Now, Filoni has very brazenly and openly compared her at times or, or put her parallel with Gandalf from yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he's even like drawn sketches of yes. them talking to one another. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, when you get to the end of Rebel Season 4, like she's very much Ahsoka the White. You right. know, even to where she's carrying a staff, the right. whole business, you know, right. you shall not pass. Um, and I, I feel like with Ahsoka, because I hear you, she is very stoic and it's not the Ahsoka that we know and it's not, it, it also... You do at times. I think Rosario Dawson's doing great, just to put my, my spin on it. I, th I think she's she's doing a phenomenal job. At the same time, Ashley Eckstein's still always going to be yes, Ahsoka. right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only thing why I can't say she's great. Yeah. I say she's very good. Yeah. But Eckstein will always be Ahsoka to me. Right. Like, I, I, I can't separate the two. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and, and there's no shade thrown in anybody because I would just as easily say, look, I love Hayden Christensen. I love Hayden Christensen outside of Star Wars. Like, he, he's made some of my favorite movies, um, you know, again, that aren't even Star Wars. Uh, but Matt Lanner's is fucking Anakin Skywalker. Like, <laughs> that's right, the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because... Um, Speaking again of Twilight of the Apprentice, mm -hmm. like there was that moment where she cuts open Vader's mask, and you hear 
like Matt Lantner's voice and James Earl Jones' voice. Yes. And Hayden Christensen. Right. All kind of merged into to, right. to one performance. Yes. And that literally, like, like, because for a long time, I really couldn't, like, square the circle of Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Right. Like, I understood it in a logical sense, but emotionally, it didn't make sense to me up until that moment. And it finally just, something clicked in my brain. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it made sense. And I, I, I feel like Ahsoka needs a moment like that, where we have a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to enter at some point, and I don't know if we're going to get more seasons of this show. Like, I, I mean, I imagine with its performance already, they should be greenlighting it instantly, but maybe that's not part of the painting that Filoni's making right now. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we're going to experience that, that bridge. I, I think we're going, you know, something you and I were talking about off-air was, you know, we want to see the scene where Ahsoka meets Luke Skywalker. Well, that, that's kind of what I was hinting at. Yeah, right. Is, is, I, I definitely think that could serve the basis for this bridge because the boy does, you know, they, you know, she has some stories to tell about dad and, right. you know, uh, uh, Luke telling, you know, her about her master coming back to light side is a, a monumental moment in her emotional universe. Yeah, and that's probably when she's going to say, okay, no, the Jedi can come back. Right. You know, right. after that. Um, Which is interesting because they, uh, yeah, we forgot to bring this up, but mm -hmm. in the, the intro to the show, the, 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 the text crawl, yes. we get... Which was great to get that. They, 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 uh, they say Ahsoka is a Jedi. Whereas right. before she demonstrably said, "I am no Jedi." Right. Up, you know, as far as we know, she had never really kind of repaired her relationship with the Order. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there is the chance that she's already met Luke Skywalker too. Again, we we don't know the timeline, and it's right. kind of well, frustrating. Well, we, but we go do. ahead. Yeah, we saw her with Luke in season three. Well, no, right. I mean, I'm saying at this point in Ahsoka the show. Honestly, there could have already... It, it's a shame if we didn't have it, but okay. there could have already been that that moment. Yeah, that's, you know? I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I feel like that would be her finding out that Anakin came back to the light side, having a moment with the Force Ghost, whatever. Um, in fact, I mean, there's lots of rumors we're going to see Hayden Christensen in this show, um, in, in Ahsoka itself. Uh, might even be more than rumor. I don't know. But... You know, I, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, when, yeah. when? Go ahead. I mean, uh, actually, this this makes a lot of sense now because mm -hmm. you know, like, where did she dig up Hu Yang from? Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe maybe she did. You know, you know, have some sort of you know resolution with her history with the Jedi Order, and then you know, went back to the temple or some remnant of the Order and and found him. Yeah. And repaired him or whatever. Yeah, it's weird, though, because a lot of her dialogue, especially in the first episode here of Ahsoka, it, she's very anti... She still seems very anti-Jedi. Like, she's straight up saying, well, you know, I'm not doing it the Jedi way. You know, and, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to... We, we only have, yeah, like, five is, more episodes. Right, there is a tension there. Yeah. Um, I think she's, she's very much still trying to forge her own path forward. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, she's not... She hasn't thrown out the kitchen sink. Right. 
Right. Yeah, so I think we could get to the point, or, you know, I really hope we still get that Luke Skywalker scene where they first meet, and I hope that that's when we get into the post-tragic Ahsoka. Right. And that's the third part of the trilogy. Um, and that culminates in whatever movie idea that, that you know, Filoni has in mind. Um, which, I have some theories on that, but... Well, essentially, I, and I think we've hinted at it in previous TIE Fighter Renegades episodes, like, I think we're going to end up with a, with a new Clone Wars. Um, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm basically, it's it's he's he's going to do a Thrawn trilogy sort of story. Yeah, yeah, but he might end up doing it in this whole other galaxy, which we still got to get into. We still got to talk about. Um, well, go ahead. May, maybe that's where they find the Dark Fleet. Oh. <laughs> 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 well, so all right. Pin on that. <laughs> uh, but bottom line, Rosario Dawson, I think, is doing great. Obviously, she's at the at the mercy of the director in a very real way, but mm -hmm. she's delivering, I'm sure, exactly what they want. And at the very least, I'm going to give her a lot of props for making Ahsoka feel like a character that would fit absolutely right in with the tone of the prequel trilogy. And that's, that's only a good thing at this stage, in my opinion. Um, so... Yeah, let's talk about Hu Yang. Now, Hu Yang is being voiced by David Tennant, of course, for some people who's considered the greatest Doctor Who of all time. Uh, I'll give that to Tom Baker still, but whatever. Um, really cool to have this character. Yeah. David Tennant's doing great. I mean, he's David Tennant. Um, but it's great to have this, you know, droid that's been around for, what, 25,000 years? This is like right. some stupid yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Um, and another moment where we're getting more of those visual cues to the the prequel trilogy where he's you know training with sabine and he effectively is acting that was a great scene that was a great scene yeah uh and we'll get to that but like where he's he's effectively acting like general grievous with four lightsabers right. which was uh which you know i don't think that was unintentional considering that even the uh the not jedi that being Balin and Shin, uh, or at least Shin is flying around in a starfighter that looks exactly like General Grievous' starfighter. Right, yeah. um, but anyway, uh, I like having all those nods. It's fine with me. Um, yeah, so Hu Yang, I, I think he's delivering. Uh, he makes a great foil, and uh, it's really cool to have a character that has that rich of a history in the Jedi Order, you know, kind of available in this story. Not just to not just to Sabine and uh, and to Ahsoka, but to but to the story overall. Um, any any thoughts on other thoughts on Hu Yang? Yeah, no, I mean um, it's it's a, it's definitely a much better solution, in my opinion, than the quote sacred Jedi texts. From yes. The sequel trilogy. Yes, I I concur because a droid having all this knowledge is way more Star Wars, honestly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like. And, and droids being the storytellers is part and parcel of George Lucas's concept of Star Wars, right? Right. Like, right. and he definitely has that sort of C-3PO sort of relationship. Yes. Uh, where he's he's kind of very proper and almost antagonistic in a way. Yes, and downright funny. Like, yes. Laugh out loud. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Who Yang is? Uh, so character and David Tennant both working here. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay, well, why don't we get into Sabine? Uh, Sabine is being played by someone who I don't... Re I, she probably is from something that I don't recall, but uh, Natasha Lou Bordizo, I believe is her name. Um, 
Now, Sabine is a very early favorite character of mine from Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the, at the time, one of the rare Mandalorian characters that we had, true Mandalorian characters, um, who, you know, I appreciated all four seasons and just, just of, of Rebels and thought she was just phenomenal um, and was excited to see her finally come to, to live action. Uh, my opinion is it's working. Yeah. You know, she, she's got the look. Uh, the attitudes there. Yeah, it, it's. I yeah, mean, no, I, I go think ahead. she picks up perfectly from you know where they left off with Sabine. Yes. Rebels. Yes. It, it, there's, it's almost seamless. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I mean, and and of course, Filoni's behind the helm here, so the writing is on point with the character. Um, one of the things I want to get into this conversation here at this stage, uh, when we only saw the first two episodes, a lot of debate of wait, does she have force powers or doesn't she? Like like. What, what is this? Um, this is one of the more controversial aspects, in my opinion, of this show, even though I know what George Lucas had said about it outside of Star Wars. He never said it within Star Wars. Uh, but the idea that, like, it was pretty clear to me, and you and I talked about this after seeing the first two episodes, Rob, it was pretty clear to me that Sabine was, didn't, was not Force-sensitive in Rebels because, like, uh, Kanan is training her to use her... You know, Mandalorian anti-Jedi armor, which is how apparently it was designed, which I thought was a nice retroactive, uh, you know, idea. Um, Or retconning, I guess I should say. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't think it it was a retcon because they kind of had established that in the EU with um, the, uh, the Old Republic, the Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, that's true. Yes. Right, so with like Mandalorian one, yeah, and yeah, like like in the Exarchoon days, you're talking yes, about, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, also the Jedi and Knights of the Old Republic, yeah, 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 know, like the, the much of the 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 Mandalorians, you know, sort of development of their technology was centered around fighting, you know, their most mm-hmm. ardent and talented foes, which were the Jedi, right, right, and it, yeah, it was, it was, and it was, it was. It was game recognizing game. They understood yeah. they had to up their game in order yes. to, you know, you know, effectively fight this enemy. Right, right. And they would literally learn from Ulik Keldroma how to do that right. in the old yes, EU. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really put that together, even though like the Sith War is one of my favorite comic books and of course Knights of the Old Republic is Knights of the Old Republic. Not not much else need be said. Um Yeah, okay. So well anyway. There was debate, wait, does she have force sensitivity? But it turns out, mm, no, she doesn't. But then, yes, she does, because this show appears to be claiming, as of, as of, as of part three of it, that everybody can access the force, just at different levels. Right. Uh, but that you can even train yourself to access it better. Now, I will say, this does help resolve some issues with a particular character played by Donnie Yen in Rogue One. Um, because it seemed like, wait, so he's not a Jedi, he's not Force-sensitive, but then, like, he really acts like he's accessing the Force with, right. with what he's doing. Right. Uh, and and I, I think he was able to develop that because it was, he was a very disciplined character. Right, right. Yeah, so, but how do you, so, okay, I guess, let me, let me add on this. Um, George Lucas, outside of Star Wars, outside of, like, the internal canon, has said that everybody can access the Force. 
you know, metachlorine count or not, like, like right. or, or meta, metachlorine count or not. Um, well, as I understand it, everybody has metachlorines. Right. It's just some people have more than others. More than others, yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean, this is this was going to be, as I, you know, we got that leaked script that was supposedly Colin Trevorrow's uh, episode nine right. for the sequel trilogy. Right. Before, you know, he got kicked out and J.J. came in. Um, yes, but in that in that script, the end of it is suddenly everybody has access to the force at a very high level, um, and so you know this idea has been percolating around for a while before Filoni was probably even green lighted to do this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, in one sense, I see it as very odd. Like it, it kind of kills the specialness of the Jedi in a lot of ways, or really of of any force wielders but then at the same time i get it you know and i know what george george lucas has said that again like i said he has said openly that no everybody has access to it Um, remember there are different aspects of the force too you have the living force and the cosmic force correct yep there's there's two forces right exactly yeah and i think you know generally when you understand the you know the force users to to have access to is the cosmic force mm-hmm. whereas everybody is kind of imbued with the living force right right yeah yeah no i i get it like and and i know what george lucas has said this is just the first time it's really been openly stated that no everybody can do it right um and you know there's an equality message in that which i guess is good so i'm overall i'm fine with it uh it's just Strange, because I think most Star Wars, even casual Star Wars fans, have had a very different impression of the Force over the past, you know, 40-plus years. Um, So, anyway, there's that. But Sabine being trained, being a Padawan, even at 30, that's kind of odd, but whatever, we run with it. Um, You know, we don't want to fall for the same issue of, like, not wanting to take Anakin Skywalker seriously when he was only, like, 10. Uh, But um, regardless, yeah, I'm digging it. What do you got? So there was something else that um, I only became aware of recently, mm-hmm. as of yesterday. Okay. And that has to do with that sequence at the beginning of every show where they show, you know, the helmets or the mm-hmm. droid heads of different characters and whatnot. Yeah. And in the past, people have noted that, you know, there's blue and red lights going across the faces. Yep. And the light side people have the blue going yep. across their face, and the dark side people have the red going across their Correct. face. So Sabine's helmet is red. I think Chopper is too, but anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, and and Marat's uh, uh, helmet is mm. blue. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh. Well, that and, gets interesting. And, and the name Rock actually comes from Arthurian legend. Yeah. He was an Arthurian knight who was subverted by Morgan Le Fay. Right, which we have Morgan right. literally yeah, in the exactly. show. Right, exactly, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think, yes, okay. <laughs> that is interesting. And, and, there, and there is, you know, like during the training montage, we definitely see Sabine sort of giving into her anger. Yeah, she gets frustrated. Right, yeah. right. So, you know... We could potentially, and, and she even, you know, uh, uh, kind of, you know, asked Ahsoka, you know, there's got to be an easier way or faster way. I thought this would, you know, right. you know, I could just, you know, jump back in the saddle and, and hit the ground running. 
Right. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. She's not exactly telling the whole truth of that, though. Yeah, yeah. There is a quicker path. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's very... It's funny, and I'm not surprised, really, that Ahsoka is not bothering to discuss the differences between the light side and the dark side of the Force. Because she sees herself... I mean, her blades are white. Right. She sees herself outside the whole damn thing. Right. Uh, Which is actually kind of a running narrative. We'll talk about the other two characters here in a minute. Uh, I, I think of this show. But, yeah... Yeah, so she's not warning Sabine, probably because she doesn't see the point. Like, she doesn't believe... Like, there's a good chance Ahsoka might not believe in this dichotomy of dark side, light side. Um, that'll be interesting to, to, to see how they want to explore that further. Uh, to be clear, that scene was completely lifted out of A New Hope. Um, but I also applaud that they very much made uh, um, Sabine look like Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Right down to the like the gray uh, uh, shirt or you yeah. know outfit uniform yeah. that, that well, she, she was wearing. Practically quotes him. It's like you know how can I see with the flash? Yeah, 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 right, yeah. right. <laughs> There's just more of that, you know. Um, yeah, more of that playing with the, the the visuals of the original trilogy and then you know mixing them with the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. There, there's 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 conversations to have around that. Marak is an interesting character. I'll come right out and say I think this is going to be some type of Starkiller, of course, played by Sam Witwer uh, in the the Force Unleashed games, Mm -hmm. uh, because his armor looks, honestly, it looks just like like the cover to um, the Sith edition of the Force Unleashed. Like his helmet, everything's exactly the same. so I, that, that's that's what I'm leaning on, mm-hmm. and we don't know who's playing Morak. We don't know much about that character right well, now. They did. They did. Um, Other than he is an Inquisitor. Well, there, there's, 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 they did have a voice credit for him. Who was the voice? Did they say? I didn't recognize the actor. Okay. But but um, uh, Screen Crush, who does pretty good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Easter egg sort of reviews. Okay. Uh, of the episode, uh, mentioned it, and. Um, and Sam Witwer is credited as, quote, additional voice. Oh, okay. So he's, he's in there somewhere, but we, I, 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 I personally kind of doubt that he's voicing Maroc. And I think I, 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 have, I have a theory that I heard that I think that there's, I don't know if I like it, I don't dislike it, um, I think it's possible. What's the theory? Uh, it could be Ezra. Oh, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, I... I I don't know if I buy that one. I don't. I. I don't know. I'm not going to completely toss it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I'm kind of leaning doubtful, but at the same time, it kind of it fits into, you know, the whole Arthurian myth thing. Sure. 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 Right. Being corrupted, like right. you said, by the character of Morgan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm leaning very much towards Star Killer because also, like, he literally says, "As you wish," just like. Um, just like Vader, you know, and I think that there's a great opportunity for essentially Morak and Ahsoka, who could, you know, because we know Morak was an Inquisitor, um, they could both be apprentices of Darth Vader or, or of Anakin at the end of the day, and that could create an interesting scene. Like mm-hmm. that could be some great drama there. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hopeful for that, and and the idea that it's some kind of retcon version of Star Killer, I don't know, I'm there, but. That could just be me wanting to like 
get a boner over Sam Witwer, uh, <laughs> right. you know, the sexiest man and maybe of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, so, uh, let me adjust myself. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you have to change his pants just seeing the man's room. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you ever oh. seen one of his podcasts, but just oh, yes, he he, he is. He is God. He is, just, he, is, he is so special. Anyway, um, well, let's talk about uh, some of Morak's uh, uh, cohorts, shall we? Because Morak's basically a mystery right now right? Um, with some, some interesting clues. But uh, I guess we'll start off with, well, he's more really working for uh, Balin and, right. and Shin. And, of course, they're ultimately working for Morgan, which we'll talk about, talk about her. But to talk about Balin... Um, of course, being played by Ray Stevenson, who's sadly now no longer with us. Yeah, he, I mean, and, and if you're, you're not familiar with some of his, you know, previous work, I highly, highly recommend you go out and watch Rome, the television show. Oh, yes. From HBO. Phenomenal. He is phenomenal in that show. Cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, the sad part is also... He was born for this. Like he, oh, yeah. like Absolutely. holy yeah. fuck, man! Yeah. Like if I um, could ever imagine a, well, I don't know if they if they're going to go with the term dark Jedi. We don't know how they're going to describe themselves, other than they are not Jedi. But we know that Balin respects the Jedi. Like he doesn't want them to disappear. At the same time, so what exactly is he? Um, but we'll call him a gray or a dark Jedi. Uh, he's delivering, and he looks so good. And it. it yeah, this is a pity, because if his character was meant to go for a season two, or further into this painting that Filoni's making, mm-hmm. um, what a goddamn shame that yeah. we, we lost him. Yeah. He is absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, just a great character. Very, very, very mysterious character, but he's he's playing it up in, in such a legit way. Like, none of it comes off as corny or as, like, tropey or anything along those lines. Um, very pleased with, with how this character works. Um, he, he definitely has a, a, a demeanor and, and stance that demands respect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is great that he's clearly such a respectful figure in the show. Right. You know, towards, like, everybody. Right. Um, and... and he, he might be like my favorite character in the show right now. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I love what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and if we're gonna really set some precedent with like dark Jedi, uh, I mean I'm a Sith guy all the way, but like if we get some real exploration of the concept of dark Jedi, kind of like the potentium in the old EU, I'm a, I'm on board. Like take right. me for that ride. Right. Um, yeah, we know they're not Sith. In right. Fact, we know they're like you know, they're not even like. It's kind of been hinted that they haven't like completely bled their their lightsaber crystals because they're 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 orange, not red. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. I'm curious how they're going to talk about that. Uh, now, his apprentice, which that's really cool. Um, his apprentice, that being Shin, played by Ivana Sakno. Uh, I think she's doing great. Like yeah. I love her steely-eyed, ne- almost never blinking. You know, and, and and she has, like, one thing that shows you they're not Jedi is she she has a bit of a complex, or she has, like, she likes to show off. She she has she takes pride in her work. Right. Like, there's the point where she's about to go after Ahsoka, who's doing her, her Plo Koon tricks uh, <laughs> at the top of her starship, and she's like, oh, I see you weren't able to kill uh, Ahsoka, you know, talking to Morgan. It's like, we'll, we'll take care of that for you, you know, and I thought that was really cool. She does have a Padawan braid, though. Yeah, which is interesting. Right. 
So, which lends more to this idea. This is like maybe they really are going with a dark Jedi or gray Jedi concept. Right. Um, but yeah, I think she's doing great now. Of course, you know, you mentioned Arthurian legend. We're getting a lot of Norse legends within yes, this story names. as well. In yeah. their names, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because Balin and Shin, right? Like that's the, the wolves that are eating the sun. Yes. And yeah, the, the, you know, this is an old story. Um, feeding into more of Dave Filoni's wolf fi uh, fixation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I ever got to meet Filoni or interview him or something, like you know, I have I have a, I have a three wolf moon hoodie, you know, from the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be wearing that. <laughs> so, he's like, oh, I could just see you. Oh, that's my favorite sweatshirt. I like that. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. I'd have to go out and get a, a Princess Mononoke T-shirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There. You, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm loving these two, you know, and 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 Morak, you know, like that 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 trinity of characters uh, is really working for me. Um, and yeah, I get it that Balin is, you know, there's a lot of complaints about Balin being, oh, it's another person who survived Order 66. But again, he's just working so well, and he's really taking a different path, I think, than any other care any other Jedi that had survived Order 66. I'm buying it. Like I'm not I'm not really complaining, and I don't feel it's overdone in this case. Um, going into, I mean, go for ahead. all we know, he could have been an inquisitor too. Could have could have gone to become an inquisitor. That's true. Uh, I mean, if you could get you know uh, a, a Jedi Temple guard to become an inquisitor, which is exactly right. what happened. Right, and um, that's definitely a survival strategy. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, yeah, it's possible. So now, one of the more one of the other interesting things to come into this is we get the Night Sisters back, or at least the descendants of the Night Sisters. That being in the character of Morgan, like you said, Morgan Elsbeth, uh, being played by Diana Diana Lee Insanto, and uh, I think she was a stunt woman. We've already seen her play this character in The Mandalorian. Right. Um, I think she's doing great. I, okay, so so I mean, no problem with the actress. She's delivering. She's doing fine. The presentation, the green flame, you know, making sure you know this is the Night Sisters. This is the witches of Dathomir. Dynamite, right? Uh, I don't think. Would you disagree with any of that? No. No. Okay. So the one thing I thought was weird, though, is like, wait, I thought all the Night Sisters were like from Dathomir and were not human. You know, much like. Um, uh, Ventress, Visage Ventress, mm -hmm. and of course Mother Talzin. Mm -hmm. um, and the female of the species, which they are Zabrak, they are, they are female Zabraks, uh, that are the Night Sisters generally, um, they do have a look. like, and, and it's not a human look, but then Morgan Elsbeth does look very human. Uh, I, I mean, like, like there's like a paleness. It, again, it's, yeah. it's an inhuman. They're not, it's not like they're white. It's that they're, they're aliens. You know, uh, just like the zap, like the male Zabrax. No, you know, clearly they're they're not human uh, because they have the horns and everything else. And of course, Zabrax are, uh, you know, like a uh, um, Savage Opress, and of course, the more popular Maul. Um, I know there's been some from the Extards. I know there's been some uh, complaints right about, about this. The, the Do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like the, that. That's. You know, that's basically their complaint is that, you know, she's claiming to be a night sister, but they're like, well, you know, then why are you a human? Yeah. I, I You know, per personally, I don't see the problem with it. Right. Um, the night sisters had white or gray hair. Mm -hmm. She has gray hair. Mm -hmm. um, sure, she's not 
you know, white pale, mm -hmm. but she's, you know, kind of got ashen skin. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I you know, j just in general, we need to accept some sort of, like, diversity among skin tones amongst all species. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, even just the possibility that, like the Mandalorians, we bring in whoever is willing to join. You know, like that's a survival tactic. Right, yeah. Is yeah. If, if you're not that, a bloodline. That, and that may even yeah. be why the female Zabrax don't have horns. Right. To begin with. Right, because it's an intermix yes. uh, of, of varying species. Right. You know, and, you know, the, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the, the center for me that honestly a lot of these people complaining about this, I mean, I don't want to say they're racist. A, that term gets bantied around. Well, okay. So they're racist because you see any of them talking shit about, wait a minute. Why doesn't why doesn't little Jason have uh, have his little little uh, Twi'leki? <laughs> you know he's half Twi'lek, right? Yeah. Jason Sindula. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal there? Okay, he has green hair, but shouldn't he have? I, I forget what they call them. There's a name for the Leku. Thank you. I knew it began with an L. Um, why doesn't he have any Leku? It's like, you know, but nobody's saying shit about that, right? And so it it's like it's weird that people want to point fingers at Morgan and. You know, not look at the other potential inconsistency here. I mean, or, that's not a word. Regardless, <laughs> uh, regardless, I get it. Historically, we know that you know uh, that that the Night Sister or the Zabrak females have a certain look, but that's no guarantee that that's how they always look. You right. know. Well, I mean, if you want to talk historically, mm -hmm. if you want to go back to the original Night Sisters of Dathomir mm -hmm. from the EU, mm -hmm. there were different tribes. Right. And there were different species among those right. tribes, different races. Right, 100%. They, they weren't even all Zabrak. In fact, I don't think they were Zabrak at all. Yeah, right. So, that wasn't even a thing yet. You know, let, let's, let's be reasonable, folks. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm loving this character. I mean, and again, we're already setting the precedent in the show that anybody can access the force. You know, can have force powers. Right. Um, and you know, the idea that the Night Sisters do it through magic, with a K at the end. Um, you know, that that could be taught to anybody. You know, someone that they adopt and bring into the mm -hmm. fold. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like, why not? You know, uh, I, so I, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah. I, and it, go ahead. it would make sense that they adopt because they obviously adopt outward, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Maul was basically adopted to Palpatine as a child. Right. By Mother Talzin. Right, right. It was, it was, a, it was an exchange for Palpatine teaching her about the dark side of the Force from, his, from the Sith perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm digging, like, our, our villains here. You know, like they're, they're, I think they're all working, and some of the better villains that we've had, uh, not just in Star Wars, but in fiction overall, or in, you know, in, in live action anyway, in, in a long time. Um, so, let's talk about. I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get in. We, we haven't. Are we expecting to see Ezra soon? Yes. Are we expecting to see Thrawn? Yes. And we'll certainly talk about. That. I mean, we've seen some of Ezra just in in holograms. You know. Right. Um, but we'll talk about those characters, you know, uh, later on in another point. I think the last person we got to get into uh, is is Space Mama, and that being uh, none other than Harrison Dula, being played by uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, I think she's knocking it right out of the park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 
you know, one of the things that really sells the character, believe it or not, for me, is actually the eyes. Like, whatever contacts or whatever visuals they're doing to make those work. Uh, they're very striking. They're very striking, yeah. And, and it gives it gives her an amazing commanding presence. Yes, it does. Wherever she is. Yes, it does. Uh, and, and she had that in Rebels, too. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, just an absolute fan favorite, if not top character for many people in Rebels. She's definitely one of my... I mean, she is space mom. She's space mom. Yeah, she's taking care of stuff, and yeah. and you see that in this. Like again, these characters are just—they're so true to form in this show. I love it. You know, other than like you said, kind of the stoicism of, of perhaps of, uh, of Ahsoka. Right. Otherwise, these all, these all these characters are true to form. Um, yeah, and I and I think it works. And like I mean, I love it when she's throwing her leku around in. Uh, you know, it, was that episode three where where they go to the uh, where they go to Corellia of all things, which has turned out much nicer uh, than, than we expected or than we last saw it in Solo. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like no, I actually you might. So. Yeah, I might actually live on a Corellia now. As to where before it was a fucking shithole, but um, but yeah, you know, and she's she's like no no. I'm a general. I, I I have clearance, you know, and and like the guy would keep bad back, and she just instantly says, "Well, yeah, try me." Like, right, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it was, it was so cool. Your boss. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, it's so great to have Hera, uh, more of Hera. I mean, if anyone's been reading the comics, there's lots of Hera in there, um, in the mainline Star Wars comic, uh, but it's so cool to have her in motion, you know, and 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 in live action now. Um, just one of the great characters of Star Wars, yeah, and and she's she's bringing a lot of legitimacy and validation to everything that's going on in this show, in my opinion. Uh, and, any other thoughts? And it was nice to see uh, uh, Jason too. Yeah, we finally got to see uh, Jason. Yeah, outside of uh, the finale. And, yeah. uh, I don't know if many people noticed this, but he is wearing, if not his father's pauldron, a version, a smaller version of it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yes, I concur. Um, yeah, that was really great. I guess, all right, one, one other person to mention real quick, uh, and that would be Genevieve O'Reilly coming back as Mon Mothma. Mm -hmm. um, we got her in, in hologram form anyway, which we knew. We saw that in the trailers that she would be coming back. Um, I love it that this, this character is getting just put everywhere, just sprinkled all yeah, over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like I said, when, when you and I reviewed Andor, you know... Well, she was phenomenal. Oh, she's the I best mean, thing like, in the show. Yeah, really, like... What a great performance. Yes. Yeah, to have someone who, again, was always really, because she was the leader of the rebellion, she is literally the antithesis of the emperor. You know, ultimately, or at least in the political stage, uh, to finally have so much development of her has been such a joy. You know, uh, because now you believe it. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, no, mm -hmm. I know why she was in charge. Yeah, and you know, we've often said, you know, anytime... You you know put Palpatine in something. You're kind of turning things up to eleven. Yes. And I definitely think Mon Mothma is kind of starting to take on the same sort of you know importance and and gravitas. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what needed to happen. Um, I've really I, I've I've been enjoying this. Yeah. And I hope yeah. to see more of her in this show. I'm sure overall we're going to see more of her throughout the Floniverse. Um, or we'll, we'll call it that. His painting, we'll call it the Floniverse. Um, but, you know, again, I will give credit where it's due. Tony Gilroy is clearly, you know, making this character something. Yeah. And yeah. it's just giving Filoni more ammo, which I'm glad for. There is uh, one small other footnote, character footnote, in that uh, the same scene, uh, uh, mm -hmm. the, the antagonistic senator, mm -hmm. 
that you know Hare is kind of sparring with yes. uh, is the we've seen him before, and he's yes. the father of Kaz from the Star Wars Resistance show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which most people just want to forget. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he, they, it, right. I, I I still like that there's that attention to detail. Yes. Yeah, because that was always kind of a, you know, there's a bit of a rib in, in, in Resistance was, well, Kaz's dad's a senator. Right, you know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And now we finally got some more of him. And he was um, kind of an asshole in that show, too. Yeah, so, you know, he's true to form, again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you know, we did get, we got Clancy Brown uh, back. Um, I just love Clancy Brown. You know, yeah, Mayor <laughs> or Governor Azadi. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing his thing and and we even got that little senator now i can't think of his name but he was also from rebels the one who he had the one who he tells hey start talking you oh know. yeah yeah um anyway again if you're here here's one of the beauties as we're we've already explored just going down the cast list if you know your star wars if you've watched everything star wars you're getting an ass ton of treats you know there's so much fan service in this but at the same time you know, and we're you know we're watching it with Ellen, who actually I don't think she's seen Rebels, at least not all of it. Uh, she understands what's going on, you know. So even people who don't have all that history with all these characters and everything, um, the fan service is there, but it's not needed. Like it, it, you know, you still know what's happening, and the show's still great, even with even without knowledge of it. It's just just some you know you know some chocolate sprinkles on your cake. Yeah, exactly, and it's delicious. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, sorry, Dex. <laughs> we, we have another. Yeah, all right. I just said Dex. Let's talk about that for a second. That's nice. We're going to make that a segue. Um, getting away from the actors. I'm sure there's others we could talk about, and we're going to do like a whole season kind of wrap-up uh, episode later on right. when that happens. Um, but, so, one complaint I saw about this show was the idea that, oh, why couldn't this happen in the unknown regions? Why couldn't this happen in wild space? Why is why does it seem that the whole narrative is going to be, we're going to another galaxy? Okay, which uh, uh, Balin calls Peridium, mm-hmm. and which apparently is some kind of folk tale told to, 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 young, to younglings, to young Jedi. Um, I mean, newsflash, Star Wars has already talked, even in, in canon, has already talked about other galaxies. Right. Like, not only has they talked about other galaxies, I mean, last time I watched The Empire Strikes Back, which, I don't know, I'm sure it's been a couple days, uh, <laughs> but last time I watched Empire Strikes Back, I'm pretty sure at the end of it, when Luke gets his hand fixed, he's looking outside a Nebulon yep. B frigate, and there's yep. a huge fucking galaxy yep. right in front of his yep. face. It's like, what do you mean there aren't other galaxies? Yep. This has already happened. Well, we don't even know how big it is. I mean, it could even be a dwarf galaxy. Well, right. Well, we know there's those because, in, in this is why I said with Dex, because in episode two, or in, in Attack of the Clones, <laughs> in Attack of the Clones, uh, when Dex, you know, the guy running the Dexter diner. Jackster. Right, Dexter Jackster. When he's talking to, uh, when, when Obi-Wan's talking to him, asking him, you know, where is this dart from? He talks about the Rishi Maze. The Rishi Maze is another galaxy. It's a dwarf galaxy really close to yep. the Star Wars yep. galaxy. Like, look, folks, it's like, just, just just stop looking for shit to complain about, okay? Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's science fiction. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't, under, it hurts my brain to try <laughs> to get into their heads to rationalize right. these complaints. Right. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. No, they're just, it, 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 it's just miserable people. Right, yeah, yeah. That, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, because they're just looking. Cause, and, yeah. I mean, and look, there's truth to the statement that if you're critical enough or, you know, if you're harsh enough, you can be critical to anything. Like, and you can have complaints about anything. I get that. You know, and but that's what I think what's going on here is these people are just so fucking again they're just so miserable and they just they're bought into this narrative. No, everything has to be fucking terrible today because I don't know my life sucks or something. I'm not saying mine does. I'm saying theirs does. Uh, that yeah, they're just they're going to find the worst in everything. But these aren't yeah. even valid complaints. Yeah, but I, go ahead. It, it's also a thing where like you know like they they view Star Wars as as this, this calcified thing that's not allowed to grow or change. Right. Right. You know, like these are people that fucking glue their Lego sets together. Yeah. <laughs> what a great analogy! I love that. That I'm using that a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. They they can't build anything else. Right. And 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 what a shame. Um, I love you know what what Filoni's got going on here. Um, and again, with I mean even the appearance of the E wings from Dark Empire that in this so great. that was yeah. awesome. But, like, this is absolutely being made. He doesn't need the story group. This is being made by a guy who knows Star Wars backwards and forwards. He could be the story group on his own yeah. if he wanted to be. Yeah, he knows it. He knows the, yeah. he knows the deal. Yeah. So, yeah, the people, compl- like, finding all these little things, like, shut... Uh, uh, I mean, s- say your piece, but for fuck's sake, shut up. Like, it, they're either just complaining or even, like, I was just making the point about other galaxies and Star Wars, you're just wrong. Like, it's already been a part of it. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but this is, you know, and I've heard guys like Star Wars Theory and others kind of get into this. Uh, this is a great opportunity to go to a whole other galaxy, to have whole other adventures. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was so excited with yes. the drop gap. Because I, I did, like everybody else, like I thought that Ezra took, you know, himself and Thrawn with the Purgle to the unknown regions. Right. That's what I was expecting. Right. And when they dropped that bomb of, you know, another galaxy, mm-hmm. I was like, that's a freaking great idea. Yeah, yeah. I and was so excited about that. Yeah. I mean, and in, you know, in the old EU, we had, we had, we already had other species that had come from other galaxies that came into, the, like, the Yuuzhan Vong, yeah, which a yeah. lot of people are thinking, okay, is this Filoni bringing in the Yuuzhan Vong? Is that right. going to be his... Which she almost did right. during the Clone yes. Wars. Yeah, it was very close where they were going to come in and, like, study the Republic. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so the idea that he might bring in the Yuuzhan Vong and have them be his Thanos, as it were, to the Avengers? Sure. Like, I'm down for that. Or is yeah, it the Rakatan? I'm, I'm not even a big fan of, of the, um, the Yuuzhan Vong. Right, same. Know, uh, uh, storyline, mm-hmm. um, but I, th- I I think that there's potential in you know that species and to do something with it. Um, I think it could have you know. I, I think I just had a, had a way had a problem with the way it was executed. Oh, I had problems. Yeah. So so in the abstract, there's some cool things like okay. So the force you can't see them with the force, and uh, they 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 don't like technology and they use like only like organic. Um, like ships that right. are like living ships, or right. like the Vorlons or something out of Babylon Five. Um, those two abstract ideas, I love. The execution in the New Jedi Order books. No, there's great shit that happened in the New Jedi Order books, but the execution was they were basically treated like space Muslims and not in the nice way. Yeah. And I didn't dig that either. So I'm with you. There, like, but here's an opportunity to repair that. Um, and and, and I ahead. thought they were drifting a little bit too much into kind of like the the body horror element. True. Yeah. To me. 
not a great fit for Star Wars. Yes. I'm not saying there's a problem with it, you know, in science fiction. Mm -hmm. I just personally don't feel that it's a good fit for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, that, that speaks very much also to a common treatment by, shall we say, Western civilization of, like, say, the Persian Empire, you know, like, often gets, yeah, it's, gets it's, treated that way. Right, it's, it's, it's definitely a method of, of othering. Yes, yeah, yeah, and of, almost of shaming, which, yes. again, that's why I said, like, it's space Muslims, not in a nice way, though. Um, because in one sense, space Muslims sounds really cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but anyway. Yeah, because if they were, like, you know, you know, really scientifically advanced and philosophical right. that would be great right right and like the ottoman empire was more accepting of other groups and cultures and everything anyway okay that's <laughs> a whole other political it's conversation because when they did yeah. drop that, that you know that um the, the the map was leading to another galaxy my first thought was oh does the force work there oh yeah yeah oh that could be interesting yeah. actually you know, that might make for a great narrative where Ahsoka, like the Ahsoka-Sabine relationship could get turned yes. on its head. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. Yeah. See, there's just so many possibilities. When right. you leave the right. galaxy, all right, right, let's do it. You know? And they kind of played that a little bit with, with uh, 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 K.W. Jeter's uh, Blade Runner books. Yes. Where, like, the further you went outside the solar system, the less humans human became and the more humans the replicants became. Right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, KW is was a fucking is a fucking genius. Um, yeah, so if they want to play that direction, like, do it. I, yeah. I, I think that's that's pretty cool. But again, we only have eighty episodes. That the, the biggest, com you know, here's the one valid complaint about the show. It's not long enough. It's not long enough. We don't have time. Yeah. We just don't have the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm fine with the pacing. The writing direction is great. Would you say the same? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, my biggest complaint here really is that. We just we get like you said we don't have enough time. I think I, it's 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 a double-edged sword. Okay. It's, it's definitely not long enough, but maybe getting it fed slowly is for the better. And this definitely opens up literally a whole new galaxy of potential stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if we're gonna again, if we're gonna end up with a whole other Clone Wars and another galaxy or something, sign me up. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and let have have others give other writers access to yeah. you know, telling these stories in this galaxy too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then because then you know what you get with that. To me, you end up with okay. Yeah, Disney, you want to do shit with Ray and whoever else out of the sequel trilogy over here. Fine, you do that in this galaxy. Right. We'll have fun with Filoni I, over in this galaxy. <laughs> I, I've literally been saying this for for since 2012 mm -hmm. when Disney took over yeah like people thought you know well Star Wars is over like, right no you know go write your own stories yeah just have multiple timelines you know like yeah multiple timelines multiple galaxies right multiple universes like you could do whatever you want yeah and this proves it yes yes yeah so Again, there's so much groundwork being laid here that I I am so excited for. Granted, you got to stick the landing, and that's what we're going to keep an eye out for. Um, I mean, we're going to we're going to do you and I, Rob, are going to do reviews, if not weekly, bi-weekly on this. Right. Um, and there's other Star Wars shit we've got to talk about, but yeah, I like where this is setting things. What this is setting things up for, uh, and it's in my opinion also, especially with this other galaxy thing, I think that's really cool because. 
it just opens up a whole other stage, a whole other sandbox for people to play in, and, and with a whole other set of rules, potentially, even, yep. like you said. Yep. If the force doesn't work there, uh, then you better believe you want Grand Admiral Thrawn there, you know, like, doing his yeah. business, yeah. because he's the best yeah. without the force. You can even bring some of that back to the original. I mean, what if what if that's where the Asilomari come from? Right, right. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've already had the Nogri in the new yes. canon, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. We already know where they're from. Well, anyway, yeah. But yeah, right. Which, well, well, I don't know if we could do that, because weren't the Asilomari in... They were like in like a mural behind Well, they were, they were lizards. I don't think they were ever specifically called out as... Yeah, but even if they were, that could just be like from the other galaxy. Yeah, that at one right, point they were right. connected between. Yeah, you know, maybe this is shit that Thrawn already knew about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, because that speaks to the whole concern. You know, we know in the new canon the reason Thrawn joined the Empire is because he knew there were there were threats like the Griss and some right. others who were coming for his people for the Chiss ascendancy, right. and he wasn't going to have it. You know, and so. Yeah, wow, I wonder if he just ended up on the front lines because of the Purgle. Uh, and which, by the way, speaking of the Purgles, or Purgle, Purgle might be the, 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 um, plural the plural form, yeah. Uh, let's never, you know, make fun of or think that, that Dave Filoni does filler. You know, like, right. like, let's never say, it's like, oh, it's a stupid environmentalist right. space whales episode. Yeah. No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. These are front and center, arguably some of the most important creatures in the history of the Star Wars universe. Uh, unbelievable. That was a great scene too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when they're flying around them yes. and everything, yes. unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. Um, all right. So we've been going a little over an hour, so I want to start wrapping this up. Um, do you have a favorite scene? Over, speaking of scenes, do you have a favorite scene overall so far from the first three episodes? It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to say two. Okay, and, go for it. The first one I'm going to say, just because it's fresh in my mind, is, yeah. is the, the, uh, the fight and chase scene where they end up losing them with the purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole sequence from beginning to end. Like, you know, yeah, that entire space come, battle. As soon as they come into the system, you know, that whole scene was great. Yeah, it was nice to finally get a space battle in a show called... Star Wars. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that and the, the, the training montage with Sabine and Ahsoka. Sure. Yeah, right on, right on. Because um, that was the first time I felt like Sabine or Ahsoka was, was coming out of her, you know, emotional prison to a degree. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'll, all right, I'll go with two. I really, really dug the scene on Corellia where they're, they're grilling you know that 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 head guy yeah. about that SSD, and I love it. they didn't even say Super Star Destroyer; they just said SSD. You know, I love that that Filoni's like, no, no, if you know, you know. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not going to waste time explaining it to you, and and that that was so awesome. But you know, like, just the way that Hera was just owning everything there, and with no fear whatsoever, was 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 dynamite. And even the guy like being you know like for the Empire or whatever that like all, I liked it overall. I thought that that worked and. Um, I think uh, it's so tough to pick what scene, but I, I just I love the relationship between Balin and Shin. Like there, there's so much. Um, 
underlying, unco- almost unconscious. Yeah. Or like yeah. not. There's so much spoken that's not spoken there. Right. That, I like. I just want to know more so now, badly. I was just gonna say I wanted to see them develop that more. Yeah. And I agree with you. I'm not gonna put it as a favorite scene just because mm-hmm. I don't feel like we've reached its full potential yet. No. Right. Right. But but I mean I and so. Within that relationship, though, the first thing, what I'm going to end up picking is actually kind of the opening scene of the show where um, where they're completely rehashing kind of the opening of episode one. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. of the Phantom Menace where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are landing, but in this case it's, you know, Balin and Shin. Um, and that pompous-ass New Republic commander, right. you know, Who's like, oh, I'm going to call their bluff. And it's like, well, you're going to get a lightsaber through the chest. Right. And you're going to deserve it, you fuck. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> like, that was... <laughs> that was wonderful. Right about one thing. We're no Jedi. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Uh, a lot of people... That's another one where people have complained about the scenes. Like, why would you let these people on? It's like, no. That is the narrative point. That the New Republic can't handle, you know, what they... The mess they've created. And I like that. That they, you know, that they they don't have it all figured out. That this is, you know, the good guys don't just swoop in and suddenly they've solved everything. You know, like no, there's a reason the empire was quote unquote working because, well, lots of you know tyrannical shit was going on. Um, I'm not applauding it. I'm just saying that like it was there. And you know, so how do you do this in a freer system? Well, guess what? You know, you're going to end up with a lot of uh, a lot of leaks because of it. I mean, certainly. Palpatine had to deal with them as well. So right. I just love that this that the galaxy is still very imperfect, which makes you believe that when the sequel trilogy happens, yeah, okay, the First Order could rise because the New Republic can't handle, you know, what's happening out in the broader uh, aspects of space. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and we know from you know the, the sequel trilogy, and we you know we kind of see some of this during you know uh, uh, Hera's interaction with Mon Mothma. You know they're the Senate and even Mon Mothra are all kind of leaning towards disarmament. Yes. Which in the long run turns out to be a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, right, in this case. Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's great to see this kind of played out because, A, it's almost exactly what you would expect, and what we actually got in the old EU, but it's exactly what you'd expect kind of to happen after Return of the Jedi. It's not that everything's happy-go-lucky. There's still a lot to be learned and figured out. And also, it lends, again, that credibility to, honestly, what happens in the sequel trilogy, as much as I wish that that didn't exist. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but 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 at least you're leading up to it. Because basically, we're we're seeing the New Republic, you know, repeat the the mistakes of the Empires, essentially. Because one of the great things that, you know, kind of got highlighted in Andor is, you know, where they kind of talk about the arrogance of the Empire mm-hmm, and their mm-hmm. takeover of the galaxy following uh, the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing basically the same sort of attitude, you know, percolating through the New Republic. Yeah, yeah. And it, it leads me to, you know, one of my, from the old EU, in Heir to the Empire, which this is, you know, let's also be clear, I mean, it's fucking directly quoted in the trailers, you know, Ahsoka says, Heir to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, in that book, Zahn makes the point, or has Thrawn make the point, like, do you know why they lost it at Endor? Because without the Emperor, the Emperor was literally controlling everything, like, through the Force. He, yeah. was, he was making, you know, giving all these subtle, like, Force pushes, as it were, right, to, right. to admirals the, the and everything. The version of the, the Jedi meditation. Yeah. meditation. yeah, exactly. And so he said, he said, and that was the problem. It was the central point of failure. Yeah. And I love that. And that message, and that's really what I'm getting at here, my point, is that 
that's that's being laid out here is that whether it's the empire or the new republic either way they're going to fail because you have a central point of failure you know it needs to be decentralized go to you know whatever more localized governments break it up what right. you know how that right. that's the only way that it's going to work if right. you have somebody who feels they're all high and mighty and they're collecting all the tax dollars which i'm sure the new republic is that doesn't work so there's a, there's almost a political realism in that which i know george lucas was always about was political realism in what he was doing especially you know we've said this on this very show that the prequel trilogy are perhaps the greatest anti-war films ever made you know <laughs> and, and, I, and i feel like you're starting to get you're getting some hints of some very real political theory in this which is interesting in itself yeah. and we're seeing kind of like like delaying the foundation for you know the resistance in the future yes because we're you know like literally the the senators are are telling Hera, well you know you've done your job it's time for you to you know basically step aside and go away yeah 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 yep yeah, that's a problem. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, so you can see where we'd have like this kind of lawless galaxy that you're experiencing in The Mandalorian. Um, and it, it's interesting. So, yeah, I, I, the directions that they're taking all this, all the possibilities that are getting opened up, uh, I'm absolutely loving what's going on here. Uh, they could still... They could still crash this thing. Like, Filoni could screw up, and he could screw up bad. Uh, yeah, you I know? mean, I... I I have more faith in him than I do other people. Agreed. Say. Agreed. And, I mean, also at the same time, like, I... Yes, I mean, I'm not giving him any passes in this review. I genuinely think this is great stuff. Okay? Uh, I will, I'll admit this, you know, just to be intellectually honest, I guess, or transparent. Um, I'd get, I would give Filoni some passes just because I know he's coming from a place of passion. I know that he really loves Star Wars. You know? Uh, and so, you know, if he flubs here and there, like say the end of Mandalorian season three uh you know okay all right I'll, yeah, I'll give you a little we still don't even know if that's his fault yeah, well that's a good point but I mean I'll give that just a little bit of a pass yeah here and there yeah. um but we're, we're on a good track right now and right. I haven't been you know I was at the point and I know I told you this Rob uh and I told it to some listeners on on the Patreon uh I was at the point that, like, look, if, if these first two episodes, or hell, three in this case, if they suck, like, I'm done with Star Wars. You know, I'll just, I'm going to, mentally, I'm going to revert to, okay, it's 1999, and there we are, you know, and, and I'll just pay attention to the old EU and pretend like that's still the hotness. Um, Which I said, so like Star Trek. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly what I do with yeah. Star Trek. It's like, yeah, no, it, it all ended with uh, season four of Enterprise, though I do like the the, the JJ films. But anyway, um, yeah. But at this stage, I'm actually more excited about Star Wars than I've really been in a very, very long time, um, because of ev all the possibilities, honestly, that are being set up, and the greatness of these new characters that we've gotten. I just hope we get enough time. I hope we get to explore them more yeah. uh, as much as we can. And I mean, I know we're we have limited time with Balin, unfortunately. Right. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, uh, any closing thoughts on this, Rob? Um, I'm really looking forward to how this series progresses. I do hope we get more. Yeah. I, I know eventually it's, it's, it's going to lean towards, you know, something bigger in terms of this kind of cohesive Filoniverse movie, which would be great. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to wait a while for that. 
Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. with the strike going on, which yeah. supporting SAG and, yeah, and the writers yeah, here, absolutely. 100%. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, fuck uh, Bob Iger. Yes. 1,000%. Yep, yep. There, there aren't enough dildos to... to, to yeah, <laughs> to yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, yeah, but this is this is going in the in the right direction. I, I, I really feel that. Um, we might be a while before we get... I mean, Acolyte, I think, is pretty much done. I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I think I had heard that principal photography was done. Yeah. But I don't know if post is done yet. Yeah. So I'm not sure what we're all going to end up with here. Um, I I guess you know, we mentioned it earlier, so we got to pay the tease a little bit. What are the possibilities here? Because so one thing to bring up is there are side deals being done, which my feelings on that are mixed. There are side deals being done where some productions are allowed to go on even during the strike. Yeah, but they're outside the country. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's mainly with Apple, who somehow is getting a pass on this, um, like with their yeah, content. Yeah, but. well, I, I think the, I, I I think there's also some stuff going on with Warner Brothers uh, with their productions in um, in Eastern Europe somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, because my understanding is, okay, no, there are there are certain studios, companies, whatever, that are meeting the demands of the Writers Guild and of SAG, and so they're allowed to continue. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of my understanding of the situation. My my understanding is that there, 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 there's different jurisdictions. Right, right, okay. Um, where, you know, the, 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 the actors and writers can still do their work in, in certain parts of the world. Yeah. Um, but I, I think any sort of, like, promotion uh, cannot be done domestically. Right, right. For any of those productions, which I think is, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Doom got delayed. Doom Part 2 got delayed till next year. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Did they give a date? Or, no, no. No, they okay. just said 2024. Yeah, just because they can't do any marketing right. for it. Okay. Well, that's a conversation we'll certainly save then. Because that one's, de that's definitely production that's can. I, 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 I'm afraid the same thing is potentially going to happen to Acolyte, where, you know, they could wrap post, and they just can it and sit it on the shelf until this thing's over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. All that said, let's talk about what we hinted at earlier for just a moment. And there is a rumor going around that Apple could end up buying Disney. As in iPhone Apple could end up, you know, buying Disney flat out. Mm -hmm. Or at least parts of it. That mm -hmm. Iger might, like, sell certain parts, like ESPN or whatever. You know, Apple buying ESPN for, for Apple TV, I think, I could see that. Because they already made a big deal with Major League Soccer and everything else. And so I wouldn't be surprised that they want to get into the sports game, as it were. Um, but the possibility of Apple buying Disney. Ten being, they're definitely doing it. One being, no chance in hell. Where do you rate it, Rob? I honestly don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to put it at a five. Put it at, yeah, so it's 50-50. Uh, yeah, 50-50. Um, I also heard another rumor, not from particularly the most reputable source, but people are saying that, you know, the, the board of directors is, is asking for Iger to step down. Mm -hmm. And part of it, because they don't want to sell anything off. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's, it sounds like Disney's having, you know, regardless, it sounds like Disney's having financial troubles, so something is going to have to give. Yeah, I mean, I was stunned when they said that they were actually going to release Disney Plus content on Blu-ray and 4K. 
because before it was the exact opposite messaging. Right. In fact, they won't even sell Blu-rays in Australia anymore. Right. Like there, there's, you know, so they're they're in trouble. Something's going on there, and it's bad. So I'm going to put it at a seven for me. That Apple's because a, I mean, the reason I like I believe it. If it was any other company, I'd say probably one. But Apple's got the money to do it. Yeah, they do. And um, I, I guess. I guess part of it is just on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Is that I don't think it really make much of a difference. Okay. Um, you know, basically same shit, different box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't see Apple running anything any differently than, than Disney would. Yeah, the only thing I think that would be different with them is they just want people locked into their Apple One subscription, which gives you access to everything. Yeah, but that's if, what Disney to wants too. No, yeah, but but I mean, but we're talking about Apple. The, the difference for me is with Apple One, you're getting services like you're getting iCloud, you're getting Apple Music, you're getting all kinds of stuff. Way more than Disney just offers a Disney Plus, right? And you're getting Apple TV with that. Um, the difference is. Apple could literally fund all of this stuff and not have to make any money off of it. Disney has to make money off of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah and yeah. as where Apple makes all the I money mean, they'll has, ever need with has, iPhones. It has to be profitable to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they've definitely got a, a degree of a content problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the foundation is definitely not hitting it for them in science fiction. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, they have some great stuff, but it's not enough great stuff. Right. Right. Like, right. they have I mean, Ted Lasso, which I don't care about, but I know everybody goes nuts about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, was it Soil, they, like, or, or whatever that, Silo, who I think is the yeah, name yeah, of the Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's hot. Um, so, I mean, they do have some stuff. I agree, there's more failures, though, than big. Right. Or than winners. Um, yeah, I don't, I just think they're the only company that could do it, and Disney doesn't have a choice. So, it's somewhere where it's almost like it has to happen. That that's kind of my feel. That's why I'm at. That's why I'm at a seven. But I hear you that it's fifty fifty, and you know honestly, Disney could just sell off some stuff and. So here's a question. Yeah, for you. go ahead. If Disney was going to have to sell off Marvel or Star Wars, which one do you think they would do it as? Ooh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, they're both in the dumps. Yeah. You know, as, as, as hot as, or, you know, as, as, as a big as, as Ahsoka seems to be right now and as exciting as it seems to be right now, they're both really still, like, they're damaged at low goods. points. Yeah, yeah, they're damaged goods. Yeah, I mean, they're damaged goods, but they still have the most profit potential of anything in their IP warehouse. I think you've got it. Yeah, I think they would sell Marvel. And you know what would be the most incredible thing to happen? And I only thought about this when you said it. If if Warner's bought Marvel, and Marvel and DC were owned by the same fucking company, and because holy fuck, you want to revitalize comic books? You you don't make it a crossover event. You put Superman and Captain America in the same universe, and hot damn, are you in for some kick-ass? Like you're you're in for dream stories that people have only imagined over the past 50, 60, 70 years. Um, I think Marvel's the viable one for them to sell because also at the same time, like Marvel's the most expensive to make and the most expensive to operate. Also, you have another buyer with Marvel in Netflix 
because Netflix already had success with Marvel. Like their Daredevil show, their Punisher show, those were huge. Yeah. Uh, and people were like pissed off when Disney decided to ignore them and not continue with them, you know? Um, but that said, Netflix could honestly buy Star Wars too. You know, that that's the unknown quantity. Because as much as Netflix might be failing, they're not going anywhere. Ne Netflix is, they're practically a verb. You know, like they're at that point, they're like Kleenex. As to where, when you think of streaming services, there's Netflix and then there's everybody else. I mean, and I hate Netflix, but that's the reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, well, so, but what do you think? Marvel or Star Wars? Who do you think they, they, they want to dump? I think they they want to dump Star Wars, but I think they're going to have to dump Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. Sadly, now the more I think about it, though, like Netflix will prob would probably be the one to buy Marvel um, or Star Wars for that matter. Like they're they're, they're going they're going to be the ones to to, to swoop in. Um, and that's a shame because I really like that'd be a dream come true. The other, the other thing too. I know this is kind of silly, but I mean, like they've 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 now integrated Star Wars into their theme parks. Yeah. So that becomes a weird licensing issue, if you will. Yeah, you know, I never thought about this. Like, because Marvel rides were a big deal at Universal, at Universal Studios. Right. You know, like the Hulk thing and and all that, Doctor yeah. Doom and all those yeah. rides. They're great rides. Uh, did those? I don't even know if they dropped those. I mean, I used to live in Florida. That's that's why. I, I don't know either. I know Disney converted some of their stuff to Marvel. Yeah. Like, for instance, the um, the Tower of Terror. Yeah. They turned that into an Avengers ride. Yeah. Um, which was ridiculous, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's no, you know, Marvel Land in, in, in Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas I, I, I just I just feel like Disney is actually, you know, despite all appearance, I feel like they've made a bigger investment in Star Wars than they have in Marvel. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. It, it's it's definitely their biggest buy um, overall. Next to maybe 20th Century Fox, which that's the other thing they that asked about. That was a mistake. About. Yeah. That was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't know what to do with it. As, as much as I love that we're, we're going to be getting an alien TV show, yeah. and I think that's a rad idea, um, that, that, that purchase was a complete mistake. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of wonder if they would even be in trouble if they hadn't done that deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, tell you, you know, so so now that we're talking about this, I'm also thinking, like, here's what I could see happening. If, if Iger, because the conversation is that he's going to sell off parts. Like, I could see Apple buying ESPN. Uh, I could see Netflix buying Marvel. I could see Amazon buying 20th Century Fox right out from under them. Um, because, I mean, they, they bought all of MGM, and they own all of that property. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and Amazon's another one, like Apple, where they don't have to make Sony? money off of the content. What about Sony? Well, Sony buying Marvel makes a lot of sense, yeah, because they already have to do those deals. Right. Um, that's another player who, you know, we don't think about in America. I, I could see Sony buying, buying 20 too. Yep, yep, or Star Wars, for that matter. Uh, it'd be weird. But yeah, that would be weird. I don't. I don't know if I see that as much, but I definitely see either twentieth or Marvel. Yeah, I mean the thing with Sony, if I was Sony, I would buy Marvel or Star Wars, honestly, for the gaming rights to make like Star Wars games, make them PlayStation exclusives. Right. Um, that's why I would do that. 
So, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, as we talk about this, Rob, I'm leaning more towards this is all going to be piecemeal. And Disney's just going to be, you know, might end up just being the theme parks and Mickey Mouse. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe it should have never been more than that. Um, and, you know, what does that mean for the future of Star Wars? I don't know. You know, like, are they going to reboot it again? I don't know if you can get away with that. Um, I mean, you have war you have the world within worlds, which we didn't even get into. We have so much more to talk about with Ahsoka, right, by the way. No. There's we, we just scratched the surface of all the shit they got. I mean, we didn't even talk about all the all the hints and shit in the end credits, you know, in that whole map scene because right, all right. that can be translated. Those are yeah, all worlds, they have right? They have exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we we have a lot more to talk about, but yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. We're in interesting times. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put that there. Um, we'll see what the future holds. So. Anyway, Rob, I think we should wrap this one up. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, and, uh, and, but we'll be back together very soon here. Um, and, and we have a lot more Star Wars and particularly Ahsoka to talk about, especially when Episode 4 drops, among others. Um, again, just such a shame that this is so short because, man, if I, if I knew I was getting 20 episodes of this shit... I, I'd be so hyped up, so jazzed, you know, uh, but, yeah. but that's not where well, we're like at. Well, like you said, they'd be silly not to, to do another season. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what we get. But anyway, um, feeling pretty good about Star Wars. How about you, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same. All right. So we'll wrap up this episode. I mean, even, even if we didn't get uh, uh, season two of Soka, we still have, you know, another season of Andor to look forward to. Yes. Yeah. We've got lots of stuff, you know, that, that still... That at least some of it's been produced anyway. Right, right. <laughs> Say nothing of all the things that are supposed to be getting made that haven't even broken ground. But anyway, we'll leave it at that. And, uh, well, more TIE Fighter Renegades to come. And we will see all of you whoo, on the other side. <laughs>